What option do you really have when life taps you on the shoulder to grab your undivided attention? Isn't that the nature of grabbing your attention? You're usually left with only one real option. You can protest, scream, this shouldn't be happening to me. Throw in a few F-bombs, stomp your feet, and start holding your breath for that added effect. That will really teach them. Your zipper at times will get stuck. Hit a snag. You're not being punished. It's called being human. And I welcome you to the long, hard road. Simple lessons from sport that make the complexities of life a little easier to understand. You know, a funny thing can happen when you're sitting down having a coffee. You get the news that, well, it's not the best news and it's, you're a little bit pissed off, you're a little angry. Now you got two decisions you gotta make very, very, very quickly. Am I gonna let myself dip into this, oh shit, here we go again, that other shoe's gonna fall off, or am I gonna let the day surprise me? So I'm sitting there and I chose door number B. I'm sitting there and literally 10 seconds later, the door opens up, in walks this guy, legs are shaved, He's got the Liker on, and I'm like, ooh, I've got another bikeaholic over there. Sitting there, so I'm sipping my espresso. I walk over to him, and I say, hey, mate, how you going? Are you here for a while? Are you just visiting? And he says, well, I'm just visiting. Anyways, to make a long story short, 45 minutes later, I have met one of the nicest guys who's been able to hold my attention, capture my imagination, Luca Mezgitz. Welcome to the long, hard road. Hey, mate. Thanks. <laughs> So it was it was really funny that, you know, throughout our conversation about the coffee, I didn't even pick up on it until about 30 minutes into the conversation, what you actually did for a living. And it was just really fascinating to sit there and just talk with a guy, another bike fiend, so to speak, about cycling. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we're all connected to this good, nice, great sport. And uh, it's nice like when you meet interesting people when you don't expect it through this sport. That, that it, is, it is right there. And I had a, I had a guy many, many years ago who, who taught me a very important lesson. And he said this to me. He said, Darren, you've got to stop having these opinions on experiences you've never experienced before. And that, that, a few years ago, that was just a little too much over my head. And I was just kind of like, Huh? What? No, mate. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm so good at predicting the future. But when you allow for that, you know, for that, what you just said, the, the, the unexpected to happen, these magical things can happen. These magical things can happen. So we had a, we had a really interesting talk yesterday, and, 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 and that's really piqued my curiosity about what we're going to dive into today. So my first question to you, now you're on the hot seat today. My first question to you is... When you were a kid growing up, what superhero captured your imagination and curiosity? Well, yeah, you asked me this, and uh, <laughs> it's I I watched so many movies, and I was like a movie freak when I was younger, and uh, wasn't really watching the superheroes, but more just the uh, actors, and uh, definitely my childhood was connected to Jackie Chan, his uh, karate movies and stuff, and then when I grow up a little bit. Uh, was like a Rocky saga with uh, Sylvester Stallone 
And yeah, these real superheroes, I re I'm not really connected to. Mm -hmm. But but it's the heroes, right? Yeah, and and exactly. as and as young boys growing mm -hmm. up, we always idolize these heroes, and something speaks to us about these heroes. It's not only their their physical attributes, but it's it's what they stand for, yeah. you know. And one of the first questions I always ask a lot of people that are sitting across from me is, "Is let's cut through the bullshit, mate? What do you stand for?" Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of things I stand for, but uh, like it's hard to 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 say directly. Mm -hmm. So maybe through this uh, conversation, we'll see. We'll see what you stand for. Yeah. But it it's it's obvious to me that the, the discussions that we had yesterday about you know what it's like to have a sh a real shitty day out there on the bike, and what it's like to be able to 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 know deep down in your soul that, well, you know what, tomorrow's going to be another day. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what would be one of the experiences where you learned, even though it seemed at the time it was like, oh, shoot, and now what it taught you about resiliency, growth, and a deeper meaning, your integrity. Well, you know, as an athlete, like every day is kind of the same to the day you had yesterday. So... Uh, Definitely, you you meet, you get connected to some bad days, and these days can be longer than the, the good days. <laughs> Especially as cyclists, we have uh, these stage races and stuff when you suffer day in day out for let's say three weeks if you if you're doing a grand tour. And surely I have experienced some really bad days on the bike. Uh, especially if it's a shit weather, like somewhere in in Alps with rain three degrees some snowing on the top of the mountains and it's a queen stage when you have to climb like 4,000 altitude meters and you have shit legs when you go to sign on you know just the the, the ride from the bus to the to the stage when you sign in then you which means that you start the stage and you know oh fuck it's gonna be <laughs> and uh, yeah these are the days like when you just have to go through, because you know, if, if you get through that day, then the next day will come, and hopefully, I like I always hope for the best. Hopefully, next day you feel much better. And it, what amazes me still now is that you can have a really bad day, really bad legs, one day, and then in twenty hours later, you don't feel the chain even. So, like this hope is a good thing. Well, hope is hope is a colloquial bond that that, that we all share, and we, and we, you know, the reason I asked about about the movies is, listen, you grew up in Slovenia, I grew up in Canada. We're, I'm a little bit older than you, and but yet it's still the characters that you're talking about. Those are the characters I love too, and and sport has this amazing ability to cross boundaries. You know, it brings people together. I mean, if, if you weren't a cyclist, if I wasn't a, a cyclist, there's no way I would have stopped, sat down and talked with you yesterday. But it was, it's funny, we, you know, as cyclists, we, we share this bond, you know, this kind of this love for the road and this love for suffering. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to enjoy the suffering. In all sports, there's some sufferings for sure, but in cycling... We can speak about a lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. So it was it was amazing to me. I mean, you said um, you said about you know some days it's just the last thing you want to do 
is turn those legs over. And on other days, you don't even feel the chain. How do you keep yourself accountable to know that, okay, today might not be my day, but tomorrow is going to be my day? Uh, well, I don't know. I like, I just try to do 100% of what my plan is or mm -hmm. what I hope and what I think that it's going to help me for tomorrow. So if I survive this bad day, if I, let's say, recharge myself, eat enough carbs, enough proteins and all these things, then tomorrow probably I'll be better than today. And uh, that's it. And yeah, much, not much more else. How good are you at leaving it in the past and just saying, okay, today was a shit day. That's done. Tomorrow I'm going to do it. And with the younger version, the 20-year-old, you know, would he have been able to do that? Uh, yeah, that's the point. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm still getting better. In this. Yes. Yeah. Every year I'm getting better in, the, in this because uh, if you, if I have a bad day, like at the end of the day, I try to analyze it, why it happened, what was like maybe uh, uh, mistakes that I did that this bad day happened. And when I try to eliminate it, that's it. Then the, the day is over. New day is coming, and from this, from with a new day, I don't think about yesterday anymore. It's not going to do you any good in a, in a stage race to have a bad day and then carry it with you into the next day, is it? No, no, <laughs> even the emotions and all this, it it just drags you down. Mm -hmm. And how much do you do? Any, um, you know, you've had a bad day. What you said, you recharge, optimal fueling, and you you know, you analyze your day. What did I, what did I do wrong? And I think that's huge on your part to take that that onus of responsibility and ownership, not blaming it on the equipment, not blaming it on the weather, not blaming it on, on, on somebody else, but saying, okay, what did, what did I do wrong? But then also saying, you know, how can I improve on that for tomorrow? Yeah. I always start thinking about the reasons why something went wrong with me, with myself. Beautiful. And when, uh, I, analyze it myself then i go to to wider picture so yeah i think if you don't start with yourself and you just blame on somebody else you'll be doing this all your life and that doesn't take you somewhere it doesn't get you very far in no, life does exactly. it <laughs> it doesn't get you very far yeah. in life it doesn't get you up that big climb yeah. or it doesn't get you you know being able to to sprint past some other yeah. people when you're blaming other people even so, the environment then goes against you so always yeah. always always so you've been you've been on Phuket now for one week or two weeks uh three weeks actually three weeks yeah. and what do you think of our island I was a bit skeptical coming here because uh, of the roads and I knew it's a big touristic uh, destination mm -hmm. so you know cyclists are always like traditionally minded so it's just Spain Gran Canaria or I don't know, south coast of Spain or south Italy or something. But yeah, nobody thought of uh, Thailand for do a training camp or just a base preparation before the season. So yeah, I was a bit skeptical of like, what am I doing? But then when I came here, uh, before I got in contact with uh, Daniel uh, Amby. Yes. Yeah, and he's, he told me that like the roads are really good and there's a lot of good cycling community. So I said, oh, if that's true, then I'll try it. And yeah, once now, if you ask me after three weeks, it was yeah. a really good experience. Uh, really nice roads. I would say one of the nicest I've rode so far. 
maybe some climbs are a bit too steep, but <laughs> anyways, it's a good training. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, you you have to get used to the hot weather. That's it, because like now December, January, we are all used coming from Europe for winter weather, which is like around zero. And now you have 35 degrees during the day here. And yeah, but one week and you're acclimatized, so. And how did you deal with, with, the, with the heat? Is there anything, any, any special nutritional mm. considerations you took no, into account? No, just drink enough and like wake up earlier than normal. Start training earlier, that's it. And what would a typical training day look, look, look like right now for you? I was doing here, like I woke up around 6.30, then I, on seven, at 7 I was on the bike, and I was doing a block, blocks of three days, which means three days I'm training, one day I'm resting, and I was doing like first day three, four hours, and then plus gym in the afternoon, and then second day four or five hours, and third day five or six hours. So it was kind of long rides with some efforts in, in between uh, but also also on the long rides just tempo rides so. and, and I think that's really great what you said I think a lot of endurance athletes um, miss what you did on day one so that was you did your, your, your ride in the morning and then you're in the gym have, have you noticed a difference now with incorporating strength training into your training uh yeah well i'm doing this since the beginning of my cycling career actually because uh before i was a mountain biker and there like stability and all these extra muscles upper body muscles are were important and then when i transformed to the road cycling i was always a bit faster so they say okay you're a sprinter so you have to do the gym <laughs> and it was like Maybe first year or first two years when I was professional, there was not a lot of guys doing gym. But now these days, which is now seven years later, everybody's doing gym. Uh, because the, just the core stability and everything, even the, against the injuries when you crash, it's much more safer. You don't break bones if you have some extra tissue or muscle somewhere in the body. And uh, I think gym is great. How, how have you found as it's so seven years now, You've been you've been incorporating this into your regular training, but you're getting older as an athlete. Have you noticed the the, the benefits of of now actually planning out training as opposed to when we're younger, kind of that reckless gunslinger mentality that you know what mm -hmm. I can handle the volume, I can <laughs> handle the intensity. But as we get older, we get a little bit more intelligent, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I, when I was younger. There was no easy days. Like, mm -hmm. it was just all out every day. It was short rides, but all out. Like, why would I go riding easy on the bike? What's the recovery ride? I mean, you know, you don't, not that you don't know these things, but you think you don't need them. And these days, yeah, it's much different to seven years back when I started. And uh, I can tell you that I have bigger trust in myself, in my decisions, in my plans and just like how I plan the whole season how I plan my trainings and even though that I'm not today I'm not in let's say uh, the same shape as I was seven years on this day seven years ago but I know that in two months time when I have to be I'll be in better shape than back then yeah and I think you hit the word the nail right on the head the key word being trust and a word that comes to mind too is maturity yeah. And I think as, as, especially as we get older, men, you know, we, 
we start to learn a little bit more about ourselves and we we don't walk around trying to prove ourselves anymore we know exactly what we're capable of and we trust in that we trust mm -hmm. in that i think that that when we're younger it's we're operating from a lot of insecurities and fear. And as yeah. we get older, exactly what you said, it's that it's that trust. And it's nice to see maybe yeah, I'm coming from sport and all this mentality is like sport related, but it's actually the same thing just in the in the normal life, you know, outside sport. Yeah. Uh, like when I started to be professional cyclist, I saw there was a first team training camp. Mm -hmm. I saw all these uh, Idols from the past. We we intimidated at all? Not intimidated, but I was more like impressed and just like, okay, now if I do what they do, I'll be the same good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the end, every every person is individual, so you cannot do the same because maybe your genetics doesn't allow you to do the same. And this is what I have difference now uh, comparing to seven years back. So I know what I'm capable of and how I get there. When seven years back, I thought, okay, if I do the same as somebody else, I'll be good. But it's, it's not the case. And how, how did you gain that wisdom and the knowledge? Was it, by, was it by actually putting your ass in the arena and experimenting with these things and doing these things? Or was it just sitting there and reading a book? Uh, I think it was just more thinking about this and just about the experience like you try something and then you see it's not working you try other thing you see it's not working and then the third thing is half working and then you try to do a little bit more in that way and yeah in the end you you get to know yourself and it, it works out so no, knowing knowing yourself now knowing where, you, where you're at now um, what kind of a season do you have planned for you this year uh, it's a very similar season to last season. So I started, now we have some team training camps in uh, Spain, uh, which will be now in January and February. And then I start racing uh, World Tour Race in uh, UAE Tour, which is end of February. And then uh, Tirreno Adriatico, and then all these uh, one-day classics, uh, Flemish classics, so in Belgium, uh, maybe also San Remo before. And uh, yeah, then after the classics, I have a bit of a break. And then the second part of the season, I don't know actually uh, specifically which races I do, but uh, Tour de France or Vuelta is the, is the goal. Is the goal. So that, yeah. that's, that's your North Star, so to speak, what's driving the compass this year. Yeah, That'd like cool. uh, surely if I'm one of the, let's say, uh, potential riders of the Tour de France, I want to be in my peak shape for July. That's it. So how do you get to your peak shape in July? Is it going out and smashing every ride in January or is it with, <laughs> or with the trusted plan? It's with the trusted plan. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I uh, yeah, a lot of times like when I say, when I'm thinking, when I have shit legs on a, on a training day in January, I say, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm not where I should be now at yeah. the moment. But then I say, hey, July is six months yeah. ahead. So calm down rest do your thing and you'll be there and that's and that's where i think that maturity and trust comes yeah, in it and, yeah. and and is ext extremely extremely important i mean we've all we've all been there you know we're in such a rush to get there 
and yeah. we we lose sight of the small details. We lose sight of, okay, if I'm going out and I'm smashing the shit out of myself every day in January, what's this going to do to my body in six months? You know, exactly. how am I going to be able to recover, and what position am I going to be able to perform in July yeah. when when it counts? When that is my that is my big goal, my north star for the year. It's all about long term thinking. You know, it's it's like life. It's not. It's not from today to tomorrow, but it's it's a long term thing. It's a long hard road, and yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah. I wanted you on here. You know, we, yeah. we were really hitting on it yesterday when when we met for coffee. Is that I think a lot of us we have to play the long game, and far too many of us we're looking for that instant quick fix, that instant hack, and the shortcut. We yeah. want the easier, softer way, yeah. and and because. The, the world is driving in this direction, like with all these uh, internet and stuff, it's all instantaneously, you know, it's, I want it, I have it, I get it. What do you but, think? I- but like in, uh, let's say in the shape or in, as an athlete, you cannot do like that. Like you have to think long term. Also, like you have to think one there, there will come a time when you stop being an athlete, you know? So if you burn your, <laughs> yourself in the, in 10 years of uh, your professional career and then you'll be a cripple after when you're 40 that's not really what you want i guess no no and and, uh, and as human beings you know we're not just athletes we're not just exactly. you know we're not just what we're doing and i think a lot of us we've got to remember that we get too wrapped up in in, in this image that we have of ourselves of these really easy boxes we put ourselves in is I don't identify myself as you know as a human being I identify myself as a professional cyclist for a long time for me you know especially in my early days of 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 recovery it was I don't identify myself as anything but a recovering junkie you know an ex cokehead and and I wasn't able to see past that and it took me you know some time maturity exactly like you said that trust you know, and, and what you said to experiment, you know, experiment, try new things, you know, so I can trust myself, see what works, see what doesn't work. And, and it's only after that trial and error and actually doing these things that I'm able to sit here and say, no, I'm not that I'm actually, I'm somebody who doesn't need any labels anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool place to be in a a really cool place to be in. But, you know, I mean, I was, I was back at that same thing when I was younger, you know, and especially for me, I mean, especially for me, for me, it was coming out. I'm, I'm this guy. I've got these brand new legs underneath me, this brand new life. I've been reborn. You know, I've been given a second chance in life. I'm not going to fuck this one up like I did the other one. And I was so driven by fear, so driven by the sense that I had to prove myself to who shit, dude, I don't know, <laughs> you know, that that I. I drove myself into the ground with Ironman training. I mean, it was all about, you know, I can handle it. I can, you know, I can do more hours than anybody else because yeah. it was, it came from a place of fear of, I wanted to get rid of this shame. I wanted to get rid of this guilt that I had. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it a few times is for me, the Ironman now became my new addiction. Yeah. But if you would have asked me that, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm past, all my dysfunctional shit is behind me. I cross that magical line in the sand. You know, I'm all cured now. I'm all fixed. No, no, I'm doing it because I'm healthy. But yet here I am, I'm still chasing the dragon with shaved legs in a tight arrow position. And it's, 
this became my number one obsession in life where everything else did not matter. It was all swim, bike, run. How many watts can I put on the bike? How fast can, you know, how, yeah. what are my kilometer yeah. splits, you know? And here's the thing, brother. I mean, we can all get wrapped up in that, be it athletes, non-professional athletes, or people in recovery. Yeah. So it's, it's very important, I think, and, and this is why I love ch- chatting with you. It was that sense of, here's a guy sitting in front of me, a professional cyclist, but yet he's so grounded, man. And, and that's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to, to learn from you is, is, you know, how do you keep yourself grounded and realize at the end of the day, you know what, it's just, it's just a bike race. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was never actually thinking about that to be grounded or something, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a phase in your life when you do something. In and luckily, I found something in what I'm good, and that's that's everything. Like, it's a phase of my life. Mm-hmm. Once this phase stops because of injury, because hope not, yeah. because of years or something like that, because of lack of motivation, then there will be another phase, something else. So just be yourself, I think. Well, how, yeah, and I think a lot of people listening, it, it's. It's we say, how do you be your, you know, be yourself? How do we be ourselves? How do we, you know, how do we walk around and say, you know what? I don't really give a shit what other people think about me. How do we be ourselves, especially as men? Well, that's that's again a hard question, and it's it's not an easy answer to this one. But I think when I'm looking, like going through the day, like an average day, and I just try to be the best version of myself on that particular day. And that's it. Like, just the small details, nothing huge, nothing big. Just, I don't know, say hi to average person when you meet on the street. Just this, you know, little details, which makes me happy when I see other people are happy. So why be a, how I say, a shithead or something like that, to, or arrogant guy? Why would you be like that? So you just answered my question, brother. What do you stand for? You just answered it right there. It's, it's, you're definitely a we centered person, you know, where you're thinking about other people, you're thinking about, you know, what, how can I add value to this person's day? It really doesn't cost you much to smile at another person. Really? Does it? Exactly. This is, and this is what I, this is what I love is, is when you are, you know, extremely generous with your spirit, the science behind it is really cool is you could be having the shittiest day, right? You share another smile with another person or make another person laugh and the body is going to release serotonin. Exactly. That dopamine. Shit, man, where were you 15 years ago, 20 years ago? You told me I could have just smiled (laughs) at someone instead of spending 250, 300 bucks a day on cocaine. Where were you, man? Share a smile with me. No, I think I'm going to do another big fat rail. No, I mean, I'm like, Try to be positive, try to think positive, try to avoid negativity, and that's it. That's all the, all the secret behind it, I guess. Do you allow negative people in your life, toxic people in your life? Well, you, you meet them, but I try to not to avoid them, like intentionally, but just, you know, if you're not enjoying somebody's company, that's because it's, he's probably negative, or I'm not... Somehow I'm not attractive, negative people. I don't know why, but I don't meet a lot of them in my life, actually. That's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. And I think, I think the reason I'm, I'm kind of 
pushing these questions a little bit more is is it's this tells us a lot about who you are right once once you get on that bike and it's it's all well and good you know we can crunch all the numbers in the world all our data you know and and we can look at your garmin we can look at your heart rate monitor unfortunately they're going to tell us your heart rate your speed your location how much power you're putting out but they're not going to tell you tell us who you are yeah and that's extremely important and you know this is what I loved about talking with you yesterday. It was as soon as I, you know, I, I came up to you and I said, hey, Luca, do you remember what it was like when you got your first pair of bike shoes? And, and automatically you're thinking about that. And this is some great <laughs> advice. This is great advice. Not only can we take from, you know, sport, but apply it to the corporate world, apply it to anything in life. And that's this is, you know, we get those bike shoes and we're in the shop. And we're full of swagger. You know, we got a set of big brass ones and it's our first set of bike shoes and we're going to buy the pedals and the cleats and we're going to click in. And in the bike store, we're loaded with confidence, aren't we? Yeah. Loaded with confidence. Like something new is coming, I'm good in it. Yeah, yeah. And don't we all want to fit in? I mean, I remember my first set of shoes walking around the bike store. I was, I was walking around like cock of the walk, like a peacock, you know? But once I got home, I was just like, Oh shit, this just got real. <laughs> this just got real. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on the cleats and, I, and I'm getting my shoes ready. I'm getting ready to take my bike out and, and click in. And, you know, but when I'm doing my pedals, I'm actually, I made sure, I, can, I was thinking about this last night after we talked about it. I made sure the tension was really, really loose. So I'd be able, <laughs> I'd, I'd be able to pop my ankle out as quickly as I could yeah. if that happened. But once we click in, you know, it's a whole different ball game. Once we get down to the street and actually come face to face with the pavement, but you had some great advice. What's the best way to learn to cycle with cycling shoes? Yeah, like I said, I, I, I fell, I fell down and you had just have to, Stand up again and go again. And do it again. Do it again. And again. Yeah. And again. Well, there's the thing, like, every time you fell down, like, a lot of time you fell down, but it, it doesn't matter how many times you fell down. It, it matters if you stand up after that. So it's just the process again. The process again. And, and it's, it's, it's a great lesson that we can take from sport and apply to the corporate world. It's a great lesson that we can take from, from sport and apply to, you know, our professional lives and our personal lives that no matter how many times we fall down, we got to get back up. Exactly. We got to get back up because that's going to tell us exactly what we stand for. You were telling me a great story before we, uh, you know, when we were sharing a soda water about last year, you had a little bit of disappointment last year. You want to tell us about it? Uh, well, yeah, when we were talking about uh, season plans and stuff like this, it's uh, especially in cycling, you know, it's, we have big teams of 30 riders and on the biggest races, there's just spots for eight guys. And uh, last year I was um, kind of 99%, let's say, to the Tour to the France squad with uh, my sprinter, Caleb Ewan. And then uh, two weeks before the Tour, I was in the peak shape of my life. Uh, they said, oh, no, the sprinters are not going. That meant... Caleb and I are not going and uh, yeah it was like a disappointed moment but uh, that's the thing like you need to to analyze it again even though it was not my fault at that time because I did everything what I 
what I wanted to do, what I was capable to do. And uh, yeah, you just try to recover, rest down, also uh, psychologically recover, and then just go on again. Like there are next races, there are next seasons. And yeah, it, it cannot be such a big force that would drive you down completely. Were you pissed off? Uh, well, I cannot say I was pissed off. I was just like uh, disappointed that I will not be able to not to show to the world how good did I train or on how, on uh, how high level I was at that time, but more disappointed that I will not see it, you know, for myself. Like, did I did all this altitude training and everything what I did in the last couple of months uh, would be successful for that period, for that July, you know? And that was, that was the only thing I was really disappointed, just for myself to not see it, if, if it was not, if it was worth it, but if it was different, if it was like, if I would enjoy racing more, if I would be one group uh, higher than normal, you know? That was, that was just the only disappointment I had. But you, you, but, you know, as getting back to, you know, what we talked about is you said, you, well, you just, you didn't really have a choice. You clicked back into your bike shoes and yeah. you keep on pedaling. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the races are coming, this, more seasons are coming. So definitely I will see it again, this uh, peak shape and I will work for it. And there's nothing else you can do. Well, well, there's that, that speaks volumes to, you know, once again, what, what, what do you stand for? And and this whole sense of, of being able to trust in yourself that, you know what, it's not the end of the world mm. and other opportunities are going to come up. It's again, just a bike race. <laughs> it is just, and it, you know what, at the end of the day, it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's not about the bike. And, yeah. and speaking of that, you know, we, we shared, you know, we shared a common story about that is that that's the book that, that got both of us to fall in love with cycling. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the Lance Armstrong's book. Yeah. And uh, also, I think it was 2005 or something like that. So what's that? 13, 15, 13 years ago, 14 yeah. years ago. I was uh, starting reading this book and I just bought myself a new mountain bike. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was reading this book, like 10 pages, 15 pages, and I could not go one page more i had to change the clothing go on the bike do two hours on the bike come back start to read the book again did maybe 10 pages more and then i did this the same story again change my clothes go on the bike did two more hours and then come back so it was such a motivational reading and yeah uh, i'm surprised you you had uh, similar experience yeah it, it's so funny how how things happen and and the similar experience for me it was uh so i've been clean and sober i haven't touched any cocaine or had a drink you know since 2001 february 11 2001 and i fell in love with armstrong's book so it must have been you know about end of 2004 and same thing i got a bike 2005 and i fell in love with that book because for me i saw so many similarities it was this the sense of of rebirth in life you know the the phoenix rising from the ashes and and it was yeah he inspired me to get on the bike he inspired me that no matter what's happened to you in the past you know right now is the only thing that matters 
You know, that, that courage is the great equalizer, that it doesn't hold us victim to the past. So it didn't matter that I was an, an ex-cokehead. Now I could rewrite my own story. And I got on that bike. And man, I was, I loved riding on that bike. And that was the first year, you know, the next 2005 was the first year that I ever watched a professional bike race. I watched, I fell in love with the Tour de France. And it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, that he got all of these people to fall in love with cycling, with the possibility of shit. There is something better. There is something better. For me, still to this day, one of the uh, biggest inspiring quotes, let's say, Mm -hmm. from that book was that uh, like when you're really tired, like let's say day 12 of training camp Mm -hmm. or something, it's hard to get up. It's hard to go on the bike. But there was a line from uh, Lance. He said, like, there is no excuses. Like, when he was chained on that uh, bed when yeah. he had cancer, like, he couldn't move. Like, really, he couldn't. But then when you're healthy, when you can move, when, you, when you, everything is working, you're just tired, that there's no excuses to don't, not uh, get, get back on the bike, get off the bed. So this is what really motivates me. That's that's incredible. I have a similar you know line, but it comes from a different you know a different passage. And mine yeah. is, you know, is is faith without works is dead. You know, so it's all well and good. I can talk about these noble intentions, these 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 ideas. You know, like integrity, courage, strength, but it don't mean jack shit unless I'm taking action on them. Yeah. You know, doing things that that scare the the living you know what out of me that scare the living what out of me. And, and, and I'm sure there must be days on the bike when, you know, during a race where you're just like, I don't know if I have it today. And, and well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Do your best. Do your best. I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. And it's, you know, you, you, you said this earlier when you're talking about one of the the race days, you know, some days your best is going to vary and it's not going to be your best tomorrow might not be what it was today or vice versa. Exactly. But if you do, if you give your best every single day, it doesn't matter how high this best is, but it's your own uh, happiness, which when you, when you go to sleep by the end of the day and you said, ah, oh, today I really gave my best, I gave my all, and that's it, that's what it matters. You can put your head on the pillow and look at yourself yeah. in the mirror yeah, and say, exactly. and say, okay, I honored myself today. I honored, you know, with this gift that was given to yeah. me with each step or push of the pedal that I take today. Yeah. No second thoughts, no nothing. No regrets. Exactly. No regrets. regrets. Yeah. And and I think, you know, getting back to what that, that adversity you had to deal with last year, it's it's just remarkable of, of how you handled it. And when you were telling me the story, I was reminded of a, of, a, of a conversation I had with a guy a few years ago. I always meet these interesting people. They come into my life and it's just like, <laughs> wow, holy shit. So here's a guy. And, and this guy, is, he's not going to be a household name, okay? Mm-hmm. But he's one hell of a great guy. His name was Craig Beardsley. Now, Craig, uh, in 1980, set the world record for the 200-meter butterfly. Okay. He's a world record swimmer. holder, swimmer. Yeah. Set the world record uh, early part 1980. That year, U.S. boycotted the Moscow Olympics, so he didn't get to go to the Olympics. So he held the world record for four years. 1984, 
he is stoked. You know, he's top dog, 200 meter butterfly in the yeah. world. Top dog. I mean, the best of the best. He's the world record holder. Yeah. Olympic trials come. He's going to, you know, he's, he's geared up. His big whole thing is, is LA, you know, home soil. And, and he's going to be able to, you know, defend his 200 meter world record, hopefully get a gold. And wouldn't you know it? He missed out on the Olympic trials that year. And he was telling me, you know, for a long time, it took him to really come to grips with it and accept it. And, and he said, but you know what? At the end of the day, you just know that there are some things that are in your control and some things that are not. Yeah. And it's just, it's as an athlete, you know, you must see this on a daily basis. Some things you can control, some things you can't. Yeah, and if you accept it, your life is easier. You just have to accept it. That some things you cannot control and that's it. You control what you can and if you control what you can, do your best again, that's it. So here we go. And and this is this is your professional cyclist, you're a great guy. I love chatting with you. We've got somebody now, let's say we've got somebody who's who's coming into recovery for the first time. You know, they've been they've been living a life where they, they just can't stop drinking or doing drugs. What one lesson from the bike would you take them and say, listen, mate, just, just try this. This is what I've learned from suffering out on the hills, you know, suffering those long days in the saddle, suffering on those sprints, and apply it to recovery. What would be one lesson? Well, I would, I would say to him that whatever he does, he has to do it for, for his own, not for, because somebody said it, because of the expectation from the environment or something. But he has to make a decision in himself and just believe in it and go with it. So no regrets again. Do your own thing. Do your, do your own thing. No regrets. And, and that's, that's wonderful. So let's finish off here. We'll, we'll pick up a little bit. Um, I'm going to quiz you a little bit on one more question that'll, that'll kind of give us an answer of, of, of what you stand for. And, and that's this. It's, are you more concerned with looking good or actually being good? Definitely we, being good. Yeah, because we live in we live in a world now where it's you know it's instant images, instant edit, editing, and I think a lot of us. And I'm not asking you this as an athlete. I'm more interested in as yeah. men. You yeah. know, as men, we're so afraid to show these little anemic chinks in our armor that I can't look weak, that I can't look unmanly. But the the real strength of being a man is is what is it looking good or actually being good? Yeah, but that's also the thing like uh, which comes with the years. Like when you go through the puberty, it's uh, you are under some stress or everything else, and there maybe you just want to look good. You know, you don't think about yourself as a man as a as a deeper meaning of life. And uh, once you get older, I think it's. It's the importance of being good. It's much more important than just look good. So, yeah, the look, uh, how do you say, fades away or uh, disappears or vaporizes <laughs> yeah. with the years. Exactly. And what, what stays in you, in yourself, that's what you will keep, uh, how do you say, keep uh, walking around. Until you die. Until you die on the long, hard road. There's no shortcuts, as your shirt is telling me right now. I love that T-shirt. There's no shortcuts. Yeah. There's no hacking your way to it. You've got to do the work. Yeah. 
You've got to do the work. And that's, and that's really important. And what I think a lot of us as men that we fail to realize is that we can learn so much from other men. Who have been some men that have inspired you over the last couple of years? Well, definitely my dad from the beginning. And then once I started going into the world, I met some uh, couple of really interesting men. And uh, one of really good guys who inspired me or start to like ignite that light when you start thinking not just about bullshit things but about yourself and about <laughs> growing and stuff like this at the end of the day a Canadian guy a Canadian a Cana- Sw- Swain Tuft oh, shit, also my teammate from uh, from uh, our Aussie team and yeah he was he was a really really good guy nice to talk to, to him we had some really nice conversations during our three year time at the team and uh, yeah he was uh, like he was kind of influencer on me beautiful beautiful thanks a lot mate this is amazing yeah